Hey, good morning. Good morning. Hey, uh, let me, uh, as I transition up here, let me just say something. This is kind of a disclaimer, because uh, I, don't, I don't want you guys to feel like we've got some racket going on up here. But, uh, but uh, Carrie and I, we never get together. Well, here. I'll leave that wrong. wrong. Um, Carrie and I never uh, scheme together. We never plan. We never, we never uh, uh, kind of work this thing out to where um, we, we format a service based on uh, something that we're going to be sharing. Uh, you know, like create a song list, like a worship list. Like uh, uh, sing a song with these types of themes or this, that, and another because that's what I'm going to be preaching on. That absolutely never happens. Okay, that never happens. I never go to her and say, hey, could you sing this song, that song, or this? Uh, or could you lead in this, that, or another, because we're going to be speaking about that? Never, ever happens. It just doesn't happen. And uh, time and time again, by the grace of God, there's always this uh, common thread that runs through, and it's just one of those uh, de deliriously beautiful uh, things about God that uh, it, 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 this, this tapestry, like this, this, this uh, weaving together everything from our early morning Bible studies and scripture studies uh, through our worship, uh, through the message. There's this, there's this thing that God does so often where he connects every bit of it. So uh, I just want to thank God just for validating and, and endorsing uh, his purpose this morning here amongst the family of TDC to let you know God has something to speak to you. Not just now, he's been speaking this all morning long. If you were here early in the morning, you would know this. Uh, through worship, you're going to see what I'm talking about. Uh, what, she's, what they led us through, uh, the shalom, the peace of God. Uh, you're going to see that as we close 2 Thessalonians. Right? That's where we're at. We're in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, the last three verses. Now, if you remember, at the beginning of chapter 3, the Apostle Paul opens chapter 3 with the term, the four words, as for other matters. Right? And he did that and he transitions out of the topic and the issues that he was addressing in chapter 2. And he opens up in chapter 3 with those four words, and then he, he, he makes this request for their intercession and their prayer for him, Timothy, and Silvanus, or uh, Silas. And, and then he transitions into the other, another matter, that being idleness within the body. And we talked about that last week, right? We went over that and whatnot. And now he's closing. And I know uh, many of the letters that the Apostle Paul writes, uh, when he's closing the letter, it sounds very similar to what we're going to be reading today. And sometimes when we're studying through the scripture, we look at that and we think, oh man, I've already read that before. I've already saw that. That sounds like 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Uh, that, sounds, that sounds like 1 Thessalonians. So how are we going to sit on these three verses and kind of open up anything new when we've covered them so many different times in closing the different letters of the Apostle Paul? Well, we're going, to, we're going to do it carefully this morning. And we're going to unpack some very simple statements 
as he closes this, this letter to the church in Thessalonica, okay? Now, when we read this, when we read this, it's going to sound very, very familiar to you, but there's some things in this letter or in the closing of this letter that is absolutely essential for Trent. And if it's essential for Trent, I would think that it's going to be essential for you too. Because he deals with some peace issues. And each and every one of us, if you live life long enough, you're going to find yourself in a given crisis, a given situation, where you're going to need peace to navigate that crisis, that situation, even peace just to navigate everyday life. That's where we live right now, is it not? I mean, you wake up in the mornings on Monday morning, you wake up, man, and there's this pending sense of, of dread or this pending sense of peril or there's this pending sense of pressure that just greets you on Monday mornings. Every teacher in here knows what I'm talking about, right? Right? Every one of you guys know what I'm talking about. Clark Evans got up a couple weeks ago and and he got to work, and I, and I sent him a little text, and I said, hey, Clark, how, uh, everything okay? How you doing? He said, yeah. He said, uh, uh, it was kind of laughingly in his response. He said, yeah. He said, this job's got me stressed out this morning. And I said, stressed out? You're 20 years old. You got thousands of dollars saved up. Mom and dad are loving on you. Good. What are you stressed out about? And then he responded. He said, I'm just kidding. He said, I just don't want to be here this morning. And every one of us understand how those Monday mornings greet you like that. And he's no exception, right? And, uh, uh, and, and so all of us have that experience, every one of us. It's not something exclusive just to you. You think, I'm the only one who feels like this? By a raise of the hand, how many of you feel like that on Monday morning? And sometimes every morning where you're fighting to push through the expectations of the day, the week, and so forth, right? Right? So it's not just you, most of us experience this. The other thing that I want to say in the fact that we all experience this or the majority of us experience this is that God has something for you and I to experience in that experience that is going to separate us from everyone else out there who are apart from God. Not to separate us to show us to be better, but to separate us to demonstrate that there is an option to a world who's dying without peace, living without peace. And we are those vessels in which he wants to express himself to those people. Are you tracking with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you, I don't, you do? I, okay, okay. So let's look at these verses, and we're just going to unpack them relatively quick. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. It says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, which is the distinguishing mark in all my letters. This is how I write, and he closes with this statement, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, 
We need peace this morning as we open your word and, and we unpack it to the benefit of the hearer and, and the benefit of the speaker. May the very words that I speak to them to encourage and strengthen them, Lord, may it encourage and strengthen me. This isn't my word. This is your word. And so we're just going to open this up, Lord, and let you speak to us this morning. I bless my brothers and sisters, and it's in the name of Jesus we, we, we ask you of uh, uh, the, these things. We, we, we pray to you in his name and the sons and daughters of God said amen. Amen. Okay, let, let's look at that first verse. Let's go back to verse 16. This is what he says. Now he's closing this letter, right, to this young church who has suffered all kinds of things. I mean, this is a, 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 a an, if you could say it's a infant, maybe a toddler church. I mean, they're just really getting their legs under them and, and God is doing some great things to their life. But there's a lot of opposition. There's a lot of strife. There's a lot of persecution. They're experiencing some pretty heavy stuff. And he's closing this letter to this young church. And he says, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace. Now the implication right off the bat is what? That they need peace. He is praying to the Lord of peace that God would grant them what? Peace. Because they need peace. Just like you and I need peace. You know what they're probably experiencing? Some Monday morning blues. Maybe some Sunday night blues. Some Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday blues. And so Paul is praying on their behalf that the Lord of peace himself would give them peace. Now these cats were facing persecution, uncertainty, dysfunction amongst the church. But yet Paul does something that should be an example for all of us to follow. And that is this. He knows where to turn when the need for peace is present. Right? He knows where to turn. The scripture says he, he prays. Now, may the Lord of peace, he's not looking anywhere else. He's not looking for someone else to provide peace. He's literally turning their focus to the Lord of peace. Now listen, let me say this to the wives out there, and I'll say this to the husbands. Your husband should not be the source of your spiritual peace. Now before we uh, uh, jump, jump off the rails here, let me say this to the husbands. Husbands, your wife should not be the source of your spiritual peace. Neither one of you are capable nor possess the capacity to bear the responsibility of being the one who sustains the peace inwardly of another individual. It's absolutely impossible for you to do that. That is a task that only God can undertake. Only, it's a task that only God can perform. It's a task that only God can fulfill. And so none of us at any time should be looking at someone else in our lives to keep us in a place of spiritual tranquility and peace. Only God does that. Only God does that. And the Apostle Paul says as much in this prayer. As a matter of fact, Peter, the Apostle Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, 
says something that should uh, at least open our eyes to the reality is not that just that God uh, uh, is peace or God can uh, uh, provide peace, but that God desires, desires to give us peace. Literally desires to give us peace. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7, he literally says this, cast all of your Monday morning blues, all of your crisis, all of your situations, Cast all your anxiety on him, is what Peter says. Why? Because he cares for you. Do you ever wonder whether God cares for you? Can I say to you this morning, in as convincing a fashion as I possibly can, to get this to sink deep into your heart, God does care for you. He does care for you. There's not a person in this sanctuary that God does not care for. And he does not want you carrying these anxieties and these burdens. He's literally beseeching us through the apostles' teachings to cast those upon him. Literally meaning to lift them up and to throw them things on God. Have you ever thought about that is the imagery that he's, he's literally painting right there in 1 Peter? Literally pick up your anxieties and just throw them on them. And let him carry those. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he says this, come to me. This is Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And he says what? And I will give you rest. I will give you rest. David Legg told the story of a man who was indebted to a landlord. The story goes, he said, a man was up all night pacing the floor, David Legg says, with worry, waking his wife up in the middle of the night, his wife said to her, why can't you sleep? You've been walking up and down, pacing the bedroom floor since 3 o'clock in the morning, and now it is 6 o'clock. The man responds to his wife and says, honey, I've borrowed $1,000 from the next door neighbor, Sam, and I haven't got it to pay him back, and it's due tomorrow. The wife jumped up out of bed, flung open the window, stuck her head out and shouted, Sam, Sam! After a few minutes, the groggy neighbor opened his window, stuck his head out. What is it, he mumbled angrily with an angry tone. What is it? You know that thousand dollars that my husband owes you? Yes, I know it well. He hasn't got it. She closed the window, went back to bed, turned to her husband and said, now you go to sleep and let him pace the floor. <laughs> this is exactly the notion that Peter and Matthew uh, and the picture that they're painting. Jesus isn't the angry landlord looking for payment. It's just the opposite. If he were playing that part, he would have been yelling at the husband, hey man, don't just cast it out here. I've got it, I'll carry it. And some of you have got to understand, I plead with you, do not carry unnecessary burdens, anxieties, and stress. Don't let it rob you of your sleep, your rest, the attention to the things that are most important. Don't let it do, not when you have a God who is saying to you, give it to me. Give it to me. I remember Ricky Lowe and I were, and Clark went with us, and, and we were going over to Carl Bowers, and we were going to help him move to the house that he lives in now in, in Grayson County. And so he was moving out of an apartment uh, in, in E-Town. I hadn't been to the apartment, 
But I'm telling you, I've got this sixth sense about moving people. I don't move people on first floor apartments. That don't happen. It, it never happens. I only move people out of second story apartments and out of basements. I don't know what, it's just the lot that I've been, that's been cast towards my life. You know what I'm talking about? It's, it just happens. And so I go over the expectation that we may end up having to climb to the fifth floor. I don't know. But we go over there, and sure enough, Carl's on the second floor. And we get up there, and, you know, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm trying to be as kind as I can be. Oh, no, here, we're here for you, Carl. Back my mind, I'm like, oh, Carl, can't you get a first floor apartment? That's what I'm thinking. I'm being honest, right? I love my brother, but that's what I'm saying. When I was 25 years old, man, I'd, 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 you know, I'd be quick of them steps. And so we go up there, and Clark's the, the largest of the three of us, but for whatever reason, he, he becomes a spectator. And, uh, but he, he's an encouraging spectator. You can do it, Dad. You can do it. Yeah, I can do it. That's how I found you. I can do it. And Ricky and I go in there, and Carl says, these are the chairs I'm going to move. He said, before you start moving them, I want you to know they're mechanical recliners. First thought went through my mind was, how much those cost, Carl? I'll almost replace them myself. I'll just buy you a new one and have them delivered. And we're going down a, you know, a stairwell, probably coded, I, I guess, maybe three feet, 42 inch, whatever the code is. I'm sure it was minimum. Whatever it was, whatever the minimum was, that's what that was. And we're going down there, and Ricky's at the bottom, and I'm at the top. And I remember taking the chair, and we're trying to navigate it. I said, this thing is heavy. And Ricky, even with a damaged, damaged hand, said, I can take more of that weight. I got more of this. And back of my mind, I'm like, thank God. <laughs> and so he, and as he began to bear more of the weight, the less weight I began to feel. Jesus says, like that. The problem, and unlike what Ricky and I were doing, I couldn't give Ricky all the weight. And that's how we sometimes approach Jesus, right? As though he's a mover. He's kind of a shifter in our life. He's there at times to alleviate some of the weight. But he's not quite strong enough to take all the weight. So we try to bear a little bit of ourselves, right? Many of you know that life. I can give some of it. I can't give all of it. And you know what Jesus is saying? I want all of it. I want all of it. You know why I want all of it? Because my shoulders are broad enough to bear the weight of your life along with the life of every other person here. There's not a person in this room right now that Jesus isn't strong enough to bear the full capacity of the weight of your life. But there's a trust component to it. I couldn't just let go. I couldn't trust Ricky's strength to carry that whole thing. But with Jesus... We can trust that. He has proven that. But we have to let go of it. We, can, we have to let go of it. And some of you continue to hang on to it. And I'm like, why? Why hang on to it? Why hang on to it? This is what the Apostle Paul says. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace. When he says may the Lord of peace... 
He's not just saying, because God isn't just the Lord of peace. One account in the Old Testament, God is referred to something as something else. And it's Jehovah Shalom. And it's in the book of Judges, and it's in chapter 6. One time in the Old Testament, one time in the Bible, is this term or phrase used. Though we use it often, it is used one time. Jehovah Shalom. You know what that means? And this is what Gideon referred to God as? The Lord is peace. The Lord is peace. The idea isn't that God would give you an attribute or some part of who he is. What he's literally saying, what, what, what Gideon was saying in Judges uh, chapter 6, is that God will give you himself. The peace, it's him. He's not giving you some, some per, peripheral asset. He's literally giving of himself to you. Now, why would Gideon, and I know we've, we've jumped a little bit, why would Gideon say that? I'm going to tell you why Gideon would say that. The nation of Israel was chaotic. They were always into this issue, that issue. They were always battling apostasy, rejecting God, turning to, to uh, idol worship and all these things. Well, what ends up happening is God calls upon Gideon, and Gideon is going to be a vessel, right? A vessel by which God is going to rescue Israel once again. Once again. And this is what he says to Gideon. He says to him, the Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. This is what God says to him. But the Lord said to him, listen to this, peace. He had given him this command. All of a sudden, all of a sudden what happens? A lack of peace. And not just a lack of peace, but fear creeps in. But the Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. He literally ensures him that he would be with him. His very presence would be with him. And that that peace would sustain him. Gideon's response to God at that moment was to refer to him as Jehovah Shalom before the battle ever takes place. He literally says in that moment, because the Lord is with me, I have peace. Before there's ever any conflict, even just the contemplation of what God had called him to, God instills peace in Gideon's heart. How? Through his presence. Hold on, let's, and then he says this. This is something you and I have got, please get this. He says, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace. Diddle may in the Greek is what that, and it means to offer and it's a gift. You remember the scripture I just read in Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 when I said, come to me all you who are weary and burdened or heavy laden and I will give you rest. It is a gift. It is an offering that we must receive from God. Peace with God isn't something to be brokered. Meaning, Lord, if I do this or if I do that, will you give me peace? 
As a matter of fact, God is willing to grant us and to give us this gift of peace that then allows us to carry out whatever God has called us to do. It doesn't work in the reverse order. God provides for us the peace to sustain us in the act or the calling that he has called us to. And that's exactly what he's done for Gideon, and that's, what he, that's exactly what he's wanting to do for you in your life. He's wanting to give you peace on Sunday night that you might wake up facing the Monday morning blues with the peace already in you. You know what we do sometimes, though? We allow ourselves to be captivated. We allow our hearts to be stolen. We allow our hearts to be trampled. And then in the midst of all that fear and all that anxiety, then we begin to seek out God. Say, I need peace, I need peace. And God is saying, man, before you even get into that, I, I want to go ahead and set this thing up. I want to go ahead and put you in a place where peace is already yours before you even go into that situation. But you and I, Broker for peace. I know that. I know this. These are things that that I used to do myself. Used to do the very same thing. R.B. Allett, in his book *The Pulling Down of Strongholds*, tells a little allegory of a young man who was eager to grow in his Christian life. Does this sound familiar to you? The young man got a piece of paper out, made a list of all the things he would do for God. He wrote down the things he would give up, the places he would go to minister, the areas of ministry he would enter. He was excited. He took that list to the church. And he took that list of all the things he was going to do, the broker list, and he placed it on the altar at the church. said, God, this is what I'm going to do for you. He thought he would feel joy and peace, but instead he felt empty and restless. So he went home and started adding to his list. Anybody guilty? He wrote down more things he would do and wouldn't do. He took the longer list and put it on the altar, but still no peace was found. The young man went to an older pastor, told him the situation, and asked for help. And the pastor said to the young man, take a blank sheet of paper, sign your name at the bottom, and just place that on the altar. It's the blank check I was talking about yesterday. Place that on the altar. Quit brokering with God and trust God and receive from God the gift of peace that he's willing to give. And many of you are thinking, man, if I can just work out a deal, if I can just work out a deal, and the only real deal is made by him. And the deal is this, man. It's free. It's a free gift of God a peace that he desires to give to you. And he desires to give to me. No brokering needed. No negotiations needed. Just a willingness to receive from him this offer and this gift, this diddle may of peace. And then he says this. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace, listen, at all times and in every way. 
in all times and in every way. Now, this is really funny when you look at the scripture and then you go to the Greek because the word pas in the Greek is actually used twice in this verse. When it says all times, it's the word pas times. When it says every way, it's the word pas way. And it literally means the whole, the entirety, the, the total, meaning there is nothing exempt from the peace of God covering in your life. I mean, there is nothing that you can create in your thinking. There is no situation that can be derived out of your actions that God isn't willing to insert a gift of peace, that being himself, into that very place, into that very circumstance, in all things and in every way. Yeah, Trent, you don't understand my circumstance. I said every way. You don't understand that my, what, what's going on, when it's going on. I said all times. It doesn't make, you don't understand my marriage. Every way, all times. You don't understand my job. You don't understand these people I work with. What do you not get? All times in every way. Sometimes I think when I, when I speak to people, man, and they really open up their hearts, sometimes I wonder, do people really want peace? Do people really want peace? As though some people thrive off the chaos and, and the stress and, 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 and all the, the, the confusion. The question is, do you really want peace? Because if you really want peace, it's been made available. And the Apostle Paul knows this, and that's what he's trying to communicate to these people, to this young church. Listen to this. And he says this. At all times and in every way, and he closes that up with these words. Listen. The Lord be with you. If he is Jehovah Shalom, which what we believe he is, the Apostle Paul just basically said, the Lord is peace, may he be with you. You. Be with you at school. Be with you at your home, at your workplace. To be with you, present, accounted for. you have to trust him. The connecting fiber between God's presence and, and God's peace is your trusting in that. Trusting in that. There's been, been many times, I love Clark so much, I, I would give him my, I'd give him anything I had to give. I love him so much. There's times that there's needs that he may have that he hadn't yet grasped, you know, and doesn't know how to quite navigate and, and I may say to him at times, I'll take care of that for you. I'll take care of that for you. Don't worry about it. Now, he doesn't have to worry about it if he trusts me. He can rest. Dad's got it. But if he doesn't trust me, whether I carry out what I told him I would carry out or not, he doesn't have peace because he's still worrying about it because of the trust. 
And so this peace that God is willing, willing to give us in Jesus, that being himself, it's ours to have if we're real willing to trust. And I'm not talking about talking about trusting it. I'm talking about trusting, really trusting. And you know what I can't do for you and no one can do for you? I can't create trust in you for God. That is incumbent upon you to trust him. No one can do that for you. But what I do know is what the Apostle Paul says to them, and I believe would say to you today, the Lord be with all of you. Now, let me see here. Let me, let me, I'm, I'm going to try to figure this out. I was talking to Carrie about this this week in regards to, she, Carrie's a tea drinker. We got any tea drinkers? Hot tea? Anybody? Anybody? We got three tea, four tea drinkers. Give me four, give me five, give me six, six. Anybody? Okay. Four tea drinkers. Okay. And uh, there, there's, there's uh, two kinds of tea drinkers out there, you know, like that hot tea. There are dippers, and then there's abiders. Now, if you're a dipper, you like to take that little tea bag in that hot water and you'll, you like to work it. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. If you're a dipper, you know what I'm talking about. And you'll drop it in there. You'll watch it kind of aggravate the water, generate a response, and then you'll pull it out. And then you'll dip it back in there. And sometimes you'll take your spoon and you'll work that tea bag in there. You'll wrap it around your spoon. You'll pull it back out. And before you know it, you're fishing. You're, in there, you're, like, you're a dipper, man. You're dipping. Right? Because the dipper wants to influence how strong the, uh, the tea is. I'm not going to leave that thing in. I, I, I need to measure. The, I, I need to calculate. I, I, I need to manipulate. I need to work. I need to get this thing just right for my consumption. That's a dipper, man. But then you got those abiders. You know those abiders? These are easy cats. They take that old tea bag, they slap it in, and they just walk off. They just walk off. An abider, walk off. They'll come back a few minutes later, they'll look down that cup, and that, that water's changing. That hot water, you can see it. That, that, that tea bag, having been left in there, abiding in that cup, man, is starting to influence that water, and it's becoming legitimate tea. But you know what the, you know what the abider does? Nothing. The abider allows the tea bag to sit in the cup. Because you know what the abider wants out of that tea bag? The full strength and influence of the tea bag. You know what the dipper wants? They want the tea to appeal to their palate. They only want what they want. And they'll just dip it in and dip it out. And you say, Trent, what does that have to do with anything? You sound crazy. Well, listen, you can be a dipper and a biter when it comes to tea. But when it comes to the peace of God and the relationship with God and your spiritual growth, Man, you can't be a dipper. You can't be a dipper. You know what you got to be? You got to be an abider. You got to be willing to take the full influence and strength of what comes with abiding. You can't be dipping and then wonder why I don't have peace. Wonder why I don't have strength when the whole time you're taking just enough of Jesus, just enough to influence 
the flavor to your liking. But man, you don't want the full brunt of it. You don't want the, the full effect of it, the full influence of what abiding would accomplish. And then you get on the backside of your relationship and you're like, man, this Jesus thing ain't working for me. And I'm like, quit dipping. You want peace? Quit dipping. Learn to abide. Because an abider and a dipper may have the same tea bags, but the influence of the tea bag has been compromised by the dipper. You and I may have the same Jesus, but our response to him and allowing ourselves to be abiders in him and allowing him to influence us looks totally different. And so we're going to leave church this morning at one hundred hops and away. And the one question that you and I are going to have to answer above and beyond everything else is this. Regarding the peace of God, the strength of God, am I an abider? Or am, am I just a dipper? Am I just a dipper? We're going to read these couple of verses and we're going to close this morning. Because this is what he says. In verse 17, Paul says, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, which is the distinguishing mark in all my letters. This is how I write. And this is Paul's seal of approval. We know earlier in the letter that there were people who were writing letters claiming that they were from Paul, Timothy and Silas. Paul said, no, no, they don't have the mark of authenticity. This is the mark. And it's a personal mark, right? The connection is personal with Paul and this young church. And then he goes on in verse 18, and he closes. And he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Now, as we close this letter with that verse, there's something really beautiful in this that's somewhat hidden, maybe just under the surface. And the hidden jewel in that is found in the first two verses of the letter. In verse 1 and 2 of 2 Thessalonians, it says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father, Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you from God the Father, Lord Jesus Christ. You say, what is the hidden jewel, Trent? The hidden jewel is this. It all starts with the grace of God, the peace of God. And it all ends <laughs> with the grace of the peace of God. Paul looks at these guys, man, this young church, these young brothers, these young sisters, and he writes this love letter of direction and correction and encouragement. And he bookends this letter with the grace and the peace of God. Because you know what he wants for this young church? You know what he really wants? He wants each and every one of them to be abiders. <laughs> he wants them to experience peace. Peace that, 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 that travels. Peace that goes into doctor's offices. Peace that goes into uh, uh, marriage counseling sessions. Peace that goes in, in, into dorm rooms as you leave your children for the first time at a college. You know, mom and dad. Traveling peace is what Paul wants for them.
And the peace that he's wanting them to subscribe to doesn't show favorites. It's for all of them. It's for all, you know how I know that? You know how I know this? If you go to Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul is going back through Macedonia and he's coupled himself with two cats from Thessalonica. Aristarchus and a guy named Secondus. You know what these cats were? Abiders. The Apostle Paul moving in his third missionary journey, you know what he's not wanting? He's not wanting a bunch of dippers. And he grabs these two cats from Thessalonica and they travel with him. You know who these two, two jokers are? Just to give you a sense that this peace that God is willing to grant is for everyone. Aristarchus was a Jewish leader. Highly, had high influence amongst the church there in Thessalonica. You know who Secondus was? He was a slave in Thessalonica. He was a slave on the outside. In the sight of men, but man was he free in Jesus. And these were the men that the Apostle Paul in his third missionary journey in Acts chapter 20 was traveling with. Two of them. Two abiders, no dippers. There in Thessalonica. The Apostle Paul is wanting to extend to these guys this knowledge and this understanding of what Jesus wants to provide for them. And these become agents of peace. You know what the Apostle Paul needed as he traveled through throughout the book of Acts? He needed some people in his life, man, they were they were agents of peace. God is wanting you to be an abider, an agent of peace, to enter in to those venues of your life where conflict resides, hostility resides, Difficulty resides, and he wants you to be that agent of peace that brings into that venue or that arena something that is exceptional. Him. Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. That's what he wants you to carry. Stand with me this morning. Sweet Jesus. Hey, we're going to do the old church thing. Can we do that for a second? With your heads bowed. Let's do that just for a moment. Out of consideration for your brother and your sister to your left or to your right, in front of you, behind you. We're going to allow all of you, with the bowing of your head and the closing of your eyes, to enter into a chamber, a closet, a prayer closet. No one else can go into that place. In the, in the spirit without spooking you too much this morning. In the spirit, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you can enter in to that closet of prayer that is you. And the Lord is peace. And if this morning 
your life feels like internally it's kind of in shambles outside man you're you're able to keep your composure outside man you're able to to front pretty good you know pretend pretty well but inside man you're a chaotic man you're an agent of chaos when God wants you to be a an agent of peace. Carrie's going to come just for a moment. And I'm going to give you guys an opportunity not to respond to Trent. What am I going to do for you? I've already said at the beginning of this message, this isn't a task for any man to undertake for another but what I can do for you this morning is to point you in a direction. The direction of the Lord of and is peace. I can point you in his direction. And I can say to you, man, he has it in an abundance. And it is extended as a gift, ditto may, an offer to you this morning. Dad, mom, son, or daughter, it is extended to you this morning. Who in their right mind would leave a place like this rejecting peace that's offered to you free of charge? A peace that energizes a life of obedience and a life of confidence in Christ, in Jesus. That is freely offered this morning. Who's rejecting that? So this morning, come to, come to the table. Yeah, come to the table. Take, receive the offering of peace given by God through Christ Jesus on your behalf, brother and sister, on your behalf that we might leave this place no longer dippers, but abiders, agents of peace in the name of Jesus. If that's you and you want to pray, you need to seek the Lord who is peace. These altars are open, man. These, these altars are open to every brother, every sister. You're a secondist. You feel like you're on the low end of the totem pole. Is that who you feel like you are? You feel like you're Aristarchus? It's for you too. No matter where you're at, it's for you. This, this is your moment, just a moment, just a moment for you.